You're listening to the awesome Podcast Network. This is 80s Revisited. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. And now, your host, Trey Harris. is the podcast of the future, at least from the future from when this movie was made in 1986. The christen, the uh, christening, I don't even know where I was going with that. The most amazing year of cinema, quite possibly the most amazing year in cinema ever, 1986. Revisiting it again here on 80s Revisited. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Harris. With me as always, my own ancient immortal producer, Mm. Jesse Sedgley. Yes, I am. (laughs) You should wear his outfit. I do. I am wearing yeah, it right see, now. You can't see it, but he's yeah. wearing the, He's got the peacock coat, the hat with the feathers. Yeah, he looks awesome. Theater looks, of the mind. It's just like <laughs> Ch- a young Sean Connery sitting across from me. Gosh. But as we mentioned, Highlander, yeah, sure, yeah. episode 149 of 80s Revisited. I'm surprised it took us this long to get to this one. It's my own fault because yeah, I, I pick all the movies, so yeah. <laughs> I, I blame myself. He did like La Bamba before this. And... Honestly, I forgot that we had never done it, and I was like... Wait a second. I don't you think did, we've uh, ever Condor did Highlander. Man before this? That was a request. <laughs> that was a request. <laughs> we didn't do Xanadu before this one, though, so yeah. shame on us. But anyway, March 7th, 1986, IMDb gives it 7.2, Rotten Tomatoes 68. Uh, audience gives it a 79, so audience really favored this one, which you wouldn't guess based upon the numbers I'm about to give you. The budget was an estimated $16 million, opened at $2.4, decent opening for the 80s. However, it was number seven for the week that it opened. It was also the highest first release movie that opened that week. Uh, among the, well, the number one movie that weekend was Pretty in Pink for the second week in a row. So this movie got obliterated at the box office. Uh, domestically, only went on to gross 5.9. Worldwide, however, it doubled that with 12.8. Uh, couldn't find any rental information. So it's... It's absolutely a miracle that this movie had not one, not two, but three film sequels and a long-running television show. Yeah. So based upon these numbers, when I was reading this, I was like, researching this, I was just like, I can't believe this. Like, I mean, I love the movie. Spoiler alert for the, end, for the rest of the podcast. Uh, but based on this, I don't see how anybody said, oh, yeah, you can make a sequel. <laughs> Here's money to make a sequel <laughs> after yeah. these numbers. Uh, well, let's see, four, four million in France, what, probably because of... Uh, people wanted to see uh, Christopher Lambert, even though he's not French. Uh, he's like a he's a mutt of like a whole bunch of stuff. Also known as Dark Knight. Who knew? That was the uh, like a, when the original concept for the idea came out. That was the original name that uh, the writer Gregory Wyden, who came up with the story, uh, gave it. But uh, this was directed hmm. by Russell Malarkey. I'm not sure how you pronounce his last name. Russell Malarkey. <laughs> Let's go with that. He also directed part two of this, which if you've seen it. Wow. Uh, also, the Kim Basinger, Val Kilmer 90s classic, if you want to call it that, The Real McCoy. Uh, the Alec Baldwin 90s classic, The Shadow, also starring Tim Curry, which if we did a show called 90s Revisited, we'd be covering that one on there because I like it, but that's not for this podcast. And most recently, he directed, I think, the fourth Resident Evil movie, which was Resident Evil Extinction. I'm not sure mm-hmm. if that's correct being the fourth, but I know there's like six or seven of them, <coughs> and I didn't care for a damn one of them. Nice. But anyway... Uh, like I mentioned, Gregory Wyden came up with the story. He also wrote the screenplay along with Peter Bellwood and Larry Ferguson. And starring the great Lord Raiden himself, Christopher Lambert, <laughs> as Connor McLeod. Uh, of course, Raiden in Mortal Kombat, also Fortress. And most recently, surprising to where I had to do a double take to make sure it was him, he was in the recent Coen Brothers film, Hell Caesar. I saw that. I was like, wait a second. I recognized Stop. him. Rewind. <laughs> no way. He looks. I mean, he's getting up in age. He's yeah. He he looked his age. I'm not sure what he is, but he he doesn't look like an immortal anymore. No, unfortunately, he is not an immortal. And of course, the great Sean Connery as uh, Ramirez. Uh, of course, James Bond, The Rock, Robin Hood, uh, arguably the best Indiana Jones as uh, in uh, Indiana Jones: The Last Crusade, the last good Indiana Jones, for, which is uh, for sure uh, Hunt for Red October as well. Uh, also, Clancy Brown. That's Kurgan. Uh, Pet Cemetery 2, but most notably, I would say Starship Troopers and Shawshank Redemption. 
I was scratching itch and I couldn't talk while I did it for some reason. <laughs> it's the uh, itch that stops you from talking. But also, uh, Roxanne Hart was Brenda. She was recently in Letters from Iwo Jima. And she was also in the 80s, Oh God, You Devil, and lots and lots of TV. But she never really did anything uh, too much of note beyond this, I would say. Uh, and James Cosmo mm. was Angus McLeod. Uh, you would most likely recognize him from Braveheart. He was uh, Brendan Gleeson's character's father. The one that gets his hand cut off and mm. gets like he gets the, his ass kicked in every battle, yeah. and then eventually dies. But uh, he was a tough old fart in that film. But also in Train Spotting and Troy as well. Uh, he's a good character actor, I guess. Uh, yeah, you recognize him if you works saw a lot. Him. Yeah, we need an old like salty motherfucker. James Cosmo. He's in Game of Thrones. Oh, Jor Mormont. However you pronounce that. Yeah. Yep, sure enough. So, yeah, I'm still working. Wait, go back. Was that... He, he gla- was, oh, yeah, okay. I recognize it. Yeah, at the wall. Yep. Gotcha. You go. Didn't even know that. Skipped it. I skipped <laughs> that part looking at uh, his record. But a Highlander. Two-sentence synopsis. A group of immortals fight for the prize throughout time. Death only comes from decapitation. Chaos ensues as a... Go from 16th century Scotland to 1985 New York City. New York City? It's like a contest no one really knows about or cares about because yeah. it really <laughs> doesn't affect select them. people <laughs> know about it. And then, you know, so anytime you see in the news somebody was found murdered and decapitated, right. you know what happened. <laughs> They're still battling it out, apparently. It's like those guys who throw the giant tree logs. It's like, good for you. Yeah, you, know? you threw it 20 feet. Yeah. Like, like, that'll come in handy <laughs> that'll come. one day. One day. One day, like, your time is now. And you're living forever. Y'all are in y'all's own little world. <laughs> and apparently they've lived an astronomically long time since Ramirez was born B.C., 800-something B.C., and Kurgan was uh, even before that, or around that same time, I think. I got info on that, actually, which we'll go over in a little bit. But, Jesse, I know you mentioned last week that this is one that you wore out the VHS on. Yep. So, what are your thoughts on Highlander? Have you seen it? When's the last time you've seen it? It's been a long time. But, yeah, I still, I still like it. Um... I think it was better back then. Yeah. But it still has the highlights now. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it, again, like, bombed at the box office, yet everybody knows what High, Everybody, I say everybody, but people our age know what Highlander is. Mm-hmm. I mean, multi-season television show, which was probably the most successful thing to come out of it, uh, I would imagine, just based on how the show got so popular, they had to make another movie to tie in Connor and Duncan, which that movie sucked, I thought. <laughs> how they killed off... How Duncan had to get Connor's power, had to kill Connor so he could be powerful enough to fight whoever the damn villain was in that one. I don't even remember. But, uh, and I think, Highlanders. And then, of course, two was absolutely terrible, where they, it was like an alien planet at first until they got the director's cut of that one to try to eliminate that entire plot line. But we're not here to talk about the bad ones, we're here to talk about <laughs> the good one. And by the way, we were recording this on Ghostbusters Day. On this day, uh, March 9th, what's today? 8th, I'm sorry, March 8th, March, 2016th. What did I say? I was looking March. at this, June. Yeah, I'm glad we're not back. I wish we were back in March. We had more Airsoft games yeah, to come. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, personal matter. Uh, I was looking at Highlander released in March, but today is June 8th, ni- uh, 2016, Ghostbusters mm. Day. Ghostbusters released this day in 1984. So uh, celebrate, hopefully, when you're listening to this in the future, you uh, would have watched celebrated Ghostbusters Day in the right way by maybe mm. watching Ghostbusters one or two, but anyway, uh, yeah, Highlander. This was one that I didn't get into until later, probably around. I think I actually saw the second one before I ever saw the first one, which is a miracle. I even saw the first one after seeing the second one. Uh, but once I saw the first one, like, oh my god, this movie is so awesome! How did I ne- go this long without seeing it? Probably didn't see it till the early eighties. I mean, uh, pff, uh, early nineties. Probably right around, I'm not sure when the TV show started, mm-hmm. but I think the TV show, like, what is this? I'm like, oh, yeah, it's like Immortals Fighting with Swords. That sounds cool. It's based on a movie. Oh, I think I saw that. Oh, no, I didn't. Mm. I saw the bad one, one of the <laughs> bad ones. So uh, then, uh, actually, the, f- uh, the first time I saw it was uh, back in the day when they had the VHS clubs where, like, oh, you get four VHS f- uh, movies free, but then you have to buy six in the next year. And this was one of the free ones I got because I had to see it. And no video store around here had it this was before blockbusters in our neck of the woods at least where i lived uh so finally saw highlander on vhs the director's cut was like oh my god this is so amazing loved it immediately uh i had actually the the strange thing is i actually had the soundtrack not the official highlander soundtrack but the queen album a kind of magic before i even saw this movie it's like i know all these songs what the heck 
because uh, of course that album has is pretty much it's the unspoken soundtrack for the film. It's got "Give Me mm-hmm. the Prize," "Prince of the Universe," "Who Wants to Live Forever," "A Kind yeah. of Magic," and everything like that. So it's uh, ooh, they have an animated one now. The animated movie Highlander, nineteen ninety four, something like that. Wow, never even heard of 5. that one. Five point three. <laughs> I'll stick with the original if I'm gonna if I want to get a Highlander fix. I'll watch the original. But uh, yeah, uh, immediately upon watching it, uh, fell in love with the film. Of course, uh, great cast, uh, especially this in this time period with uh, Christopher Lambert. Love him or hate him, he did. He was great in this movie. I thought for the character, uh, Sean Connery as you know. Salty old teacher, works every time, and then you can't. You there are a few people you can fi- you can count on to be an amazing villain other than Clancy Brown, for anything. That's why most of the time he's always a villain, nine times out of ten. Mm. It's Except so rare. In, uh, SpongeBob. Who's he voicing that? Because uh, Mr. Krabs. Okay. Because <laughs> I, I think you told me that like on this podcast like episodes and episodes ago, <laughs> and I never remember that until like somebody mentions it. Yeah. I don't watch SpongeBob. Because uh, I don't have cable, first of all. But uh, yeah. watch the movies and occasion. It's on Netflix. Seen the series or the movie? The series. Isn't there a movie where he comes into the real world with like a whole bunch uh, of the like, movie, cameos? Yeah. That's just SpongeBob the movie. Yeah. Okay. That's well, the he only- has two different movies. Uh, both of them, he comes into the real world. <laughs> okay. One of us, David first, Hasselhoff. The first one was David Hasselhoff. Okay. The second one, they have like a superhero battle, where they all get some sort of weird powers or something. like Okay. That. Is is the first one like a Roger Rabbit esque thing where they're animated, and the new one, the other one's like where they're like three D. Yes. Okay, that's the one I recently saw a trailer for that I'm thinking of. The three D one. Like, yeah, they become like Pixar. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of looking interesting. They're all right. They're pretty fun. They, I like how they have some adult jokes mixed in there. Yeah, I think that that's a great. That's a sign of a good kids movie. Yeah. To where it works on both levels, an adult can enjoy it and a kid can enjoy it, and especially like when you go back and watch some of the kids movies from the '80s, mm-hmm. you're like, holy shit, I didn't even get that joke until <laughs> just now. Because I didn't know it as a, I didn't understand what they were talking about as a kid. Now I know. But yeah, Highlander, like one what of the best sword is. fighting films out there. Uh, visually striking. Uh, if you haven't seen it since you haven't seen it in a while, Jesse, I would recommend, uh, you know, definitely recommend revisiting. But the first shot of the film, 1986. This is an amazing like crane wire shot type thing, uh, which I got some more information on that. But immediately I was like, God, I remember it being so well done. Mm-hmm. And then immediately few minutes later it's like okay yeah it's not that well done it has its moments in terms of directing and everything uh where it still looks really good but there's a lot of stuff uh watching it in 1080p especially yeah uh especially the end when uh the prize is he's getting the prize so to speak it's mm. i mean you blatantly see the wires holding him up <laughs> and the you know there's animated effects whereas in back in the day Drawing like over yeah, yeah you know they still have their kind of nostalgic charm but not when you're seeing the wire. You know, they're meant to hide the wires now. Like when you see it in HD, it doesn't hide anything. So it's just he's this guy floating in the air or hanging by wires with these cartoon things attacking. <laughs> so you know uh, the uh, the uh, aged effects for the like that that those kind of aged effects don't hold up obviously, but the sword fights are still fantastic. You know, there's two uh, I think four of them in the film. Uh, great set pieces for these fights. Uh, Connery and uh, Lambert, I think they have some good chemistry on screen. And also, Clancy Brown's just so damn menacing that he does, he's just, you can't help but like, you kind of, a good villain, like you can also root for in a sense. Like watching this song, like, kind of like Kurgan a little more than I should, even though he's a bastard. <laughs> but I guess that's just the older me talking as opposed to the younger me where the hero has to win. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's 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 still great. It's still fun. The music kicks ass. Like we mentioned uh, last week with La Bamba, uh, get the soundtrack for this film. It's, it's you know I, I'm a huge Queen fan, and the all the uh, songs in it are just fantastic. Who wants to live? Who wants to live forever is one of like the saddest songs ever written. Yeah, uh, definitely in top ten. I mean, and just I mean when you hear that theme song, Prince of the Universe, just like oh yeah, it just makes you want to start sword fighting. At least it does for me. If it doesn't for you, there might be something wrong with you but it's most likely something wrong with me <laughs> but regardless uh, some of the behind the scenes stuff on this film uh all of every single one of sean connery's scenes had to be filmed within a week due to his schedule and actually wow. he had a bet with the director that they would not finish in seven days but they did so malarkey won the bet small price to pay to get 
out of there on time. Yeah, and I mean, when, and also when you're watching the film, it's, the film's close to two hours. Yeah, and he's in it a good bit, mm-hmm. and they shot all that in a week. Yeah, which is pretty impressive. Because you hear yeah, films today, like people, yeah, like involved in his scenes too. Yeah, it wasn't just Extras like him and, and Sean Connery. I mean, there were a few, but I mean, there was a lot of big, uh, you know, some money shots, so to yeah. speak, in a lot of his stuff. Historical and, and fight shots, choreography yeah. too. So, uh, all sorts of stuff like that. Really interesting. Uh, but uh, the, of course, everybody, you know, you think of Christopher Lambert, <laughs> you know, like who's not French again, by the way. But uh, when this 1986, when this film came out, when he got casted in 1985, he had barely just learned to speak English when he took the role. The only other English-speaking film he had before Highlander was Greystoke, The Legend of Tarzan, in 1984, which he only said a few words, sort of like Arnold's foray into uh, acting, you know. Uh, very limited speaking parts, so to speak. But yeah, Lambert was actually born in New York. But then, if I remember correctly, he traveled around with his family, like overseas. So, Father was a French diplomat. Yeah, that explains it. So he has like a lot of different kind of pieces of accents in his own. So it's very unique to him, but also really fits the character because his character's lived in Scotland, he's lived in Europe, he's lived all over the place. Uh, so he would have like, you know, for hundreds of years, he'd have a very unique way of speaking mm. so it really kind of works with the character papa papa <laughs> a lot of that yeah <laughs> uh and also connery and lambert got a re- oh, well got along so well while they were filming that they called each other by their characters names even when they were not filming and it was actually at lambert's insistence that they brought connery back for highlander 2 which makes no sense because connery died in highlander 1 spoiler alert yeah <laughs> uh just another one of the ludicrous things that happened in highlander 2 and it really sucks because, you know, the movie, deser- the movie deserved a good sequel. Mm-hmm. And you had Michael Ironside as the villain in two, but it was... Connery just shows back up and then he dies again in part two. So it's like, <laughs> what's the point? Why are you doing this to him? Uh, cool 80s poster, though, for part... Well, actually, it's on, was it in the 80s or was it early 90s for Highlander 2? Oh, Highlander, I think, 91. Okay. Still got some kick-ass uh, 80s S poster, mm-hmm. uh, movie poster art on that one. But fortunately, the, mu- mu- uh, the movie does not fall within the 80s, nor is worth revisiting. Uh, but yeah, and it should be noted too that uh, other than the role of James Bond, this is the only role that Sean Connery ever played twice. Hmm. Which is kind of surprising, but then when you really think about it, I mean, yeah, a lot of his stuff was kind of one-off type stuff for the most part. Uh, Queen Except and Rid- for James Bond, right? Yeah, yeah, that's what it said. Or my information. My, uh, hmm. my in, uh, inside source, I call him Imdb. Uh, yeah. lets me know these things uh, but Queen originally intended just to record one song for the film but after viewing footage for the movie they were inspired to write more uh, in fact the band members each had a favorite scene when they got to see the sneak preview and each composed songs specifically for them for example Brian May wrote, wrote uh, Who Wants to Live Forever during the cab ride home when they're seeing the film and Roger Ty- uh, Taylor used the line It's Kind of Magic uh, which was in a, the director's cut scene that was actually cut out the theatrical version uh, for that song which is of course the entitled song uh, the voiceover by Sean Connery did that he did in the beginning of the film has an echo effect to it, especially if you listen to it in like a Blu-ray version where everything's cleaned up mm-hmm. and it sounds kind of weird. Uh, he actually recorded in the bathroom of his Spanish villa where he had been working with a voice coach uh, on the Spanish accent he uses in the film, which I didn't detect the Spanish accent. I just detected Sean Connery. It sounded like him. Uh, so whatever, Sean. But... Uh, when he played it, he recorded it in the bathroom, played it to the producers over the phone for them to hear, and they said, yeah, it sounds great. Well, they were also listening to it over the phone from a recording from a bathroom with 1986 technology, so that's why when you hear it today, it just sounds like bad audio, period. Uh, I always thought this was cool when I was younger when I saw this, but the climactic scene where him and uh, McLeod and Kurgan are fighting and their swords are touching and sparking all over the place, that's because one of them has a positive end of a car battery going up their pant leg into their sleeve to the hilt of their sword, and the other one has a negative. So every time they touch, just like when you're trying to jump off a car and you test to make sure mm-hmm. it's getting a charge. Same principle. <laughs> and also could have gone horribly wrong if they touched each other in a, uh, in a naughty way. Uh, they could have easily been shocked. Uh, the author, I'm sorry, the author, the Gregory Wyden, the one of the guys who came with the guy, guy came, bleh, the man who came with the story, and also one of the screenwriters. He was inspired by visiting Scotland on vacation. Coincidentally enough. Uh, Randall Wallace, whoever the guy that wrote Braveheart, was inspired the same way when he went to Scotland and saw a statue for William Wallace. So uh, Highlander and Braveheart owe their genesis to somebody going on vacation to Scotland. Wow. Uh, but anyway, he was visiting a museum in Edinburgh, or Edinburgh, magical place. However you pronounce it, came across a suit of armor. Edinburgh. 
and wondered uh, what it would have been like if the man who wore the armor was alive today. So luckily he didn't make some movie, which has been done a million times, where like somebody from the past, whoa, I'm in the future now. This is how I interact with things in the future. Sort of like Ninja Turtles 3. Actually, right. that was reverse. Well, no, people came back. Door works both ways in Ninja Turtles 3. Yeah. So similar kind of point I'm trying to make. Uh, now, when you, if you do revisit this, or if you haven't seen it in a long time, make sure you get the director's cut or the special edition. Most of the versions that are out now tend to just simply just be the director's cut because it adds in about uh, eight minutes of footage. Uh, but that, uh, that was cut out from the theatrical, and that wasn't even available until 1996 with the 10th anniversary director's cut on DVD. I think it had to be sooner than that, though, because my VHS version, which was, much, which was long before DVD was even relevant, was like a director's cut special edition of the first one. So I think that might, that might, uh, the date on that might be a little off. Mm. Uh, but some of the scenes that were added, uh, that you may, if, you've, if, you've, if you recognize these scenes, you've seen the best version of the film, in my opinion. Uh, the opening flashbacks uh, to Scotland as Connor sits in the stadium, which has the great crane shot. Uh, one of the goofier scenes of the film that just bugged me, because uh, when, when Fossil's doing the backflips in the parking garage away from Connor, it's just like, nobody, you don't flip away from an enemy. <laughs> Like, it's okay. Only if it looks really cool. And it, it, but it doesn't when this old guy in a suit's <laughs> flipping in a car garage, and it's like it's like a, two, a minute long shot. Like, right. cuts away as to Connor walking away. He's still flipping. You're not dodging anything. You're like so just you know. That's a pet peeve of mine. People just backflip repeatedly away from danger. Just for the hell of it. Now some movies it works. Don't get me wrong. If Nicolas Cage did it in Face Off, it'd be awesome. But it'd still be stupid. But Cage is doing it, so it works. It doesn't work on this scene. But uh, some of the other scenes uh, was a. Uh, Cut out was Connor's first wife saving goodbye to him as he rides off into battle. Uh, the whole World War II splashback where he rescues Rachel, which explains why she's still kind of like working for him. Uh, and other, like just some headbutts and more violent punches and kicks were cut out. So, regardless, the special edition, director's cut, whatever, that's the one you want to catch for those. There's extra eight extra minutes, you know, they add a lot. And it's cool seeing, you know, again, this dude's been alive for hundreds of years. Like he wasn't just in Scotland and then boom, he's in 1985 New York. So, it adds a lot. Seeing him like you know World War II and just some different stuff. Mm. Uh, speaking of that opening shot, which I've praised twice already on the podcast, uh, it was accomplished using a computerized system that held the camera on four wires. Uh, the system was actually invented by the same guy who invented the Steadicam, uh, Garrett Brown. And I believe I read also when I was trying to find out some more info- information on it, it's also a similar to what they use at football games now for the uh, on the field shots, you know, behind the quarterback, zooming around, right. staying out of the action. Uh, and although Queen's songs have become, become closely, closely associated with Highlander, they were not actually the original choice. Before they got Queen to do the soundtrack, they actually uh, approached David Bowie. Hmm. Could have been d- interesting. Sting, who was also considered to play Connor McLeod, <laughs> and Duran Duran. Now, if you've seen Dune, it's a good choice they didn't go with Sting. Yeah. Although he's great in Zoolander too. I have not seen that. It's worth watching. I mean, if you like Is the first really? Zoolander, you'll like Zoolander too. I'm worried. I, I, I thought the first one was hilarious. So going in like, okay, if it's just like the, the, the first one, I think I'll enjoy it. And it was just like the first one, I thought. I enjoyed it. He just plays himself. Yep, as most people do in the Zoolander movie. Yeah. <laughs> Billy Zane's back. Good to see him getting some work. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so we, but the worst one of all would have been Duran Duran doing the soundtrack for Highlander. I like Duran Duran in the 80s. Mm-hmm. In the early 90s, that's pretty good. But I, their music would not fit this film. Queen's just... They were the best choice, I think, for it. Bowie's could have been weird. Could have been, you know, could have gone either way. Could have like yeah. really fit, or it could have been like a little, maybe a little too uh, obtuse. From... It would have went any direction he wanted it to. Exactly. <laughs> and of course, now most people are like, yeah, it's the greatest soundtrack of all time. If that had happened, because now he's dead, and people yeah, yeah, think yeah. that, you know, it's cool to say that everything he did was awesome. Not that it wasn't. Just right. saying, when people Same. die, they become saints in modern culture. Just like, so, most uh, of them, deserve, Bowie deserves it though. Just saying. But not for disingenuous people who don't actually listen to David Bowie and can only name the song from Labyrinth and the Major Tom song when you ask him to name a David Bowie song. <laughs> Those people don't know what they're talking about. Pet peeve or rant end. Anyway, uh, the novelization for uh, Highlander actually goes really into depth with Kurgan's backstory. For example, he was, he was alive in 970 BC, which actually makes him an older immortal than Ramirez. Uh, that's when he first died, when his father crushed his head with a rock. Uh, according to the novelization, Kurgan, when he came back, because he wasn't dead. Although, crushed his... Okay, I don't... I, I like the mythology with Highlander, but it, cutting off their head, that's what kills them. But you bash their head in with a rock. Like, what is, is it... 
the the head, you know, is it literally the head leaving the body allows the juice to escape or something? You know what I'm saying? Something like that. Uh, I was always in the impression, yeah, there was a decapitation. So, you know, they have those uh, car accidents where technically you're decapitated, yeah. but you're not really. <laughs> yeah, which, I mean, at the end of this one, Kurgan's not fully decapitated. It's enough yeah, it still to works. where it finishes him. Uh, so, but, you know, bashing your head in obviously doesn't work. Right. You know, so it's not and nothing to do with the brain. It has to be, I guess, just severing the spinal cord or <laughs> something. It's got to be something. You know, there, there's some point Maybe with in a their blade, body, a sharp object of some sort. Could be because they all use, you know, they all use swords. Which I mean, of course, you're gonna cut off a head. You need a sword, but I mean, you just got a high yeah. powerful, high high powered weapon. Where's the sniper immortal? That's just like you know. Yeah, <laughs> you can snipe, blow the head off. You I can think. decapitate someone with a bullet. Yeah, I think that would work. <laughs> so if they're revisiting Highlander and you have different immortals, that'd be cool to have that one. The sniper. And, sniper then the nin- and then if you play an Overwatch, the fucking ninja one just ricochets the bullets back and kills you because <laughs> it's OP and ridiculous and aggravating. I have not played that. More on that later. <laughs> <laughs> I watch videos, but I haven't played it. No, but Overwatch is awesome. Uh, but anyway, uh, but then Kurgan returns to life because that didn't kill him, and he proceeded to force his father to swallow a searing hot stone. Uh, and also some of Kurgan's exploits before we run into him in the movie was uh, he joined the Vandals, the Goth, the Visegoths in attacking Rome. Excuse me. He also fought with the Goths against the Huns. He would also ally with Attila the Hun, and also allied with Genghis Khan. So he had a very complete history. Which right. do a prequel with Kurgan like just kicking ass with all those characters, and then leading up to the first Highlander. That'd be, I'd I'd be down for that. I think if someone lived forever, he, that he wouldn't just be the sidekick to all these great people. Yeah, he would have be. He would <laughs> he actually would've... like they called me Khan. They yeah. called me Attila. Or yeah, Attila. The guy that ruled me. for four hundred years. There's something to him. Yeah, <laughs> I think he didn't want it. I guess he just won because he's searching for other. You know, he's looking for the prize. So uh, I guess he's just more. He would have found it. They would have came for him. Yeah, that's true. If he just took over the world, <laughs> but whatever. Yeah. Yeah. These well, people don't know prequel. how to hide land. <laughs> Write the prequel. Yeah. They don't know how to hide. <laughs> that works. Uh, according to the director, when they first shot the scene of Kurgan bursting through the uh, door to cut the table in half, Clancy Brown instead ran in and cut through the candelabra, nearly decapitating and thus taking the prize from Sean Connery himself. Oh. As a result, Connery stormed off the set. Later, Connery returned and Brown apologized, saying he was just very nervous, it was an accident, blah, blah, blah. So we actually, there could actually have been a decapitation on the set of a movie about the only way to kill people is by decapitating them. Could have hmm. worked. Could have actually happened. So even with a storm off, they still got it done in time. Yep. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> in a week. Uh, now, the new section, what if... Fun little speculation as to certain people could have played certain roles. Uh, mm. Several people were considered for the role of Connor before uh, Christopher Lambert. Uh, the first person they actually offered it to was Mark Singer, the Beastmaster himself. Which, of course, mm. you might not want to set it in Scotland because Mark Singer, the Beastmaster. I'm not sure if he can do a Scottish accent. Although, I like Mark Singer. Great in Beastmaster, great in V, great uh, 80s actor back in the day. I don't think... Beastmaster was what, 84? 82, um, excuse me, way earlier. Yeah. yeah, so that's probably why they might have looked at him because he, you know, used a sword in it, perhaps. Uh, needless to say, they didn't go with him. Uh, some of the other people they looked at before uh, Lambert was also Mickey Rourke, 80s Mickey Rourke. Uh, might have worked. And now here's the kicker the last person they apparently offered it to before Lambert was none other than Kurt Russell, mm. which A, would have been awesome. However, he didn't do this because he was too busy in pre-production with none other than Big Trouble in Little China. So we win on Kurt <laughs> Russell not being, of course, you know, Daniel would say something and then uh, our friends down under Ben would say something too because he doesn't like Big Trouble in Little China. However, Russell didn't do this. And, but in all honesty, in terms of that role, mm-hmm. McLeod, uh, uh, Lambert nailed it. I mean, that's the first thing I think of. Well, actually, I'll take it back. Raiden just because... I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, Raiden and uh, Connor McLeod are the two things I instantly think of when I do think of uh, Lambert, and that's what he'll be remembered for, uh, pretty much, I would say. Uh, for Kurgan, they actually looked at Rutger Hauer, which, great villain ca- uh, character actor, love Rutger Hauer. Uh, of course, he's not, you know, uh, what's his name? Uh, Nancy Brown is a big dude, so that, I think his physique yeah. and everything just got him that role. And he's a good actor on top of it. But uh, Rutger Howe would have been good. Strangely enough, Nick Nolte 
Glad they skipped that one. <laughs> they also thought about, like, and when they were pitching ideas as to who, to who to cast, they also thought of Ed Harris, which, again, like Rutger Hauer level, like, you know, great actor, but would, I don't know if he would have fit this role in terms of the visual presence of Kurgan. Because when he's sitting there wailing on Christopher Lambert with a broadsword against a katana, which that would break that katana in half. Uh, yeah. Unless it's, uh, what is it, Damascus steel, the tin-layered steel. You know, it has to be a really well-made katana to withstand, like, the thick steel of broadsword. That's why you don't see them, like, in sword fights that happening, because uh, these are two different type of weapons. Uh, broadsword is just a brute weapon for the most part, whereas a katana is more of a finesse slicing. Uh, which broadsword slice, too, of course, but, I mean, they're, like, they're meant to decapitate yeah. and uh, stuff like that. Which katanas hmm. are, too, don't get me wrong, because the more I think about it, I'm just kind of digging a hole with what I'm trying to say. But yeah, broadswords would probably break a katana if somebody tried to block it and Clancy Brown was swinging at your face. Just saying. Uh, but also, uh, Ed Harris and Peter Weller, which, these are 80s versions of these guys, you know, younger versions, which, you know, again, I think face-wise and like voice-wise definitely would have worked, but just, the Kur- based on what we just learned about the, from the novelization of the Kurgan, yeah, he's, he's got that, he's got that, that presence and uh, Clancy Brown nailed it. A big sure. wide head. <laughs> <laughs> and then also uh, for Ramirez they, before they settled on Sean Connery they actually looked at none other than Clint Eastwood which uh, eh. you, need a, you need a European for that role Clint you know? Eastwood doing what a Spanish accent yeah although why does he have a Spanish accent if he was born in uh, you know 2600 or 2276 BC like yeah. there wouldn't even be they could have put be, him anywhere yeah, pretty much for yeah. the most part. So it really didn't need an accent. You're 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 an immortal. Like your your accent's going to change, anyway. Uh, but uh, Clint Eastwood, that's a know, good point. <laughs> he's a good character. I mean, he he could have done it. Stayed in Spain for the last two thousand years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, came out for you. <laughs> yeah, I, I was born in Egypt, but I've been in I've been in Spain ever since then. I just love the country, you know. Yeah. So then, obviously, you take on that. I never got bored. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gene Hackman, Michael Caine, or Malcolm McDowell. Uh, I think they did good with Connery. They. Again, the chemistry him and uh, Lambert have really show in the film, and not to say they won't have chemistry with any of these other actors, but it works. What they have works. Mm. So you know, but again, it would be interesting to see Mark Singer or Kurt Russell being mentored by Clint Eastwood and the villains Rutger Hauer. I would see that movie. Mm. I would if with that casting. But uh, you know, on the on the other hand, uh, Mark Singer, uh, Peter or Nick Nolte, and Michael Caine. I'm less interested to see that one. Yeah, Michael Caine. But I think they, they did good with what they had. But uh, score-wise, uh, it's having... Although HD does kind of detract from some of the fun in just the general terms of the effects and everything, because when, mm-hmm. you, when you're young, you know, back in the day, it's like, oh, it's awesome. You know, it still looked cool. It still looked good. Today, it's just like, eh, that, I just can't not see that wire. Or, you know, <laughs> the, little, the goofs like that, some of the, you know, the dummies, or the, uh, especially Kurgan's bad prosthetic yeah. from his neck. And HD, that's a, a big problem with this week's movie and next week's. Uh, and, a lot, and I see a lot of these 80s films where, uh, you know, back, like we, I think we talked about one of the previous uh, films uh, with the uh, underwater movie stuff with the prosthetics, how you watch them in HD, it's just, it, takes a, it does take a bit away from it. I almost wish there was an option to watch like a, uh, a less, you know, a VHS filtered one. Not that I'm a oh, oh I'm not I'm not a person like yeah I listen to records on, on music on vinyl because like that's the way it's supposed to be no I'm not being pretentious it just it hides it uh, it allows some of the magic to still be there for some of these films kills the magic you can't you know go watch the Christopher Reeve Superman's in HD it, it's missing something because you see the wires practically every time and that takes away from it you know when you're a kid you know I I believe a man could fly mm. you know I thought you know I didn't know how they were doing that effect. Then my dad, being as serious as he is, you know, it's just wires. Mm. We'd watch a magic thing I mentioned before. We'd watch a David Copperfield on television. Like, hmm, yeah, he's just running out the back door, like ruining the illusion immediately as we're watching it. <laughs> Me and my brother just like, yeah, dad, we know. When we were a kid, you know, my dad was a typical, he didn't watch wrestling. We'd watch wrestling. Oh, this is all fake. Yeah, whatever, dad. You know, as, as, as a kid, like, as a kid, you still, you know, believe it, you know. Uh, which wrestling is real. The storylines are fake. Right, you, you know, let's be, let's be, let's let's get real. They're not trying to kill each other, but they're still jumping off. Uh, yeah, high. go jump off your couch. Yeah, <laughs> and elbow drop. In fact, my wife elbow dropped me because I, mean, I was going to say girls, but if people didn't watch wrestling growing up, don't try to do wrestling moves on people that watched it growing up because I see you're going to do an elbow drop. So I'm like, I'm gonna, 
you know, counter. K Fob, and I'm going to let her get it. But no, she doesn't know how to do an elbow lock. She came down with her elbow. Right, right. And at the last second, I see she's not averting it to land right. on the back of the elbow. Especially so I immediately right. put my hand up, and now I swear my hand's broken. This wow. was like a week ago. So if I push on it too hard, it hurts. in that place. I know. And I, I, but I mean, you know, 150 pounds and an elbow hitting my hand, I'll, I accept that being able to break it. Right. You know, that's a lot that's of not, weight. That's a lot of force. Not a lot of weight, baby. It's a lot of force. Yeah. She's not listening to this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, again, it's not like protruding, but I mean, it's so, if, I, if I bump it, it hurts. Yeah. Kind of like our friend Justin, how he thought he broke his hand. Oh, yeah. One time, yeah. I, think this, I think this is the same thing. It might have, probably didn't break it, but enough to where it's tender. Bet, yeah. But anyway, you know, wrestling, Learn if you don't know how to do it, drop. if you don't know how to do it, don't try don't to do, do it. wrestling moves. But if you watch wrestling, you, you, yes, we know what it is, but you also know that you don't actually put your elbow bone into somebody, the side of somebody's face. You don't actually put their knee to their face. You don't actually hurt these the, people. Uh, NXT stuff, that's yeah. like the training camp. Mm-hmm. It's pretty interesting because, you know, they're just practicing their moves, they're hitting each other and... Get right back up. Oh yeah, try that again. Try yeah. that again. And yeah, they're not going for damage. Is that on the <laughs> network? That's on the network. Yeah. Okay. Because I've been toying back and forth about getting it again. Because now that they do more current raws on it and stuff, to where that's why I stopped it to begin with. I don't know if they do the current raws. I thought it was like this is off topic, guys. Yeah. But um, <laughs> we talk about a lot of things. Yeah. There's yeah. a wrestling match at the beginning of this film, so it is on topic. Oh, there we go. Yeah. We're just talking about that. Um, why did I get? Oh, I got it for the original programming. I just wanted to see what was okay. on there. I'm probably not gonna have it forever. Mm-hmm. But uh, I got it for the nitros. Oh, okay. And then when we dropped cable, I was like, I'll just watch, I'll keep the network yeah. and just watch the Raws on the replay on that. Yeah. But it was like, you only watch, only watch like month old Raws. Uh, there was not like recent ones. Actually, no, I think, no, you might tell me Hulu has it. Hulu has it. Okay, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, Hulu, I mean. But it doesn't have any of the old stuff. It just no. has like. Yeah. Hulu just has, I mean, you could watch the last three years of Raw on yeah, Hulu. Yeah, but not like. But you can't watch, yeah. 2000. I just want to watch Nitro. <laughs> I wa- like, why did that work? I watched the, every episode they had a Nitro up. They were yeah. still missing like a good bit, but that was the funnest part for me. But anyway, uh, score-wise, as you know, looking at this film, revisiting it, uh, it's still awesome. I give it an 8.5. Critically, I'd probably give it you know, about a 7.5 because, again, if you're judging it on a critical aspect today, it's mm-hmm. got technical problems and the directing is either innovative and really nice or there's some silly stuff happening. Yeah. Uh, and you know it doesn't take away from the film, but it you know if you don't if you've never seen it before, uh, I still think it's it's highly enjoyable. I wasn't bored. I didn't look at my phone once. <laughs> Usually when I'm revisiting these films, I'll look at my phone as I'm watching in case there's something like uh, notice this scene, this part in this scene for you know a boom mic coming in or something. Mm. So as I'm watching, I get a little more insight and also remember it more when I'm talking about it to you guys and girls. Uh, but yeah, if you haven't seen it, check it out again. It's still great. Uh, like I said, Jesse, and if, and, uh, if you haven't seen it in a while, you know, looking for something to watch, it, it still holds up. It's still good. It's a good revisit. Give it to you that way. Hmm. Uh, and then again, on the, in the real world, this released March 7th, 1986. Uh, two days after that, uh, Navy divers actually found the largely intact but heavily damaged crew compartment of the space shuttle Challenger with the bodies of the astronauts still inside. So that kind of lets you know roughly in 1986 where we're at. This was shortly after the Challenger disaster. Uh, if only they had been Highlanders. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. It's like, well, no, the, the, he drowns in the in the film and walks on the bottom of the water. Yeah. But it's like, also, here's my big, like, Wolverine's probably my favorite. Honestly, if I had to boil it down, probably my favorite superhero. Mm-hmm. Just from a kid. You know, it's like, I always think, like, there's been times when Wolverine's, like, healed from, like, just a piece of his brain inside his incinerated skull. Yeah. And yeah. he grew everything back. But it seems to me to kill Wolverine, wouldn't you just have to dump him in a, a really deep thing of water? Because he'd drown. He'd drown, yeah. But, I mean, he's also weighs, like... He, the dude, I don't know what oh, his weight yeah, stat yeah, is, yeah, but yeah. without a man team, the motherfucker's got to weigh, like, 500 pounds. And Wolverine's strong, but could he swim with 500 pounds? 300 oh. pounds. Okay, so he probably so could. So he could probably And, I mean, if he's moving, that. he's obviously can operate with it. I mean, if he was, you know, tied down, you know, by some villain, you know... And, but that's my question. Would drowning actually kill Wolverine? Because apparently in the comics, since he got coated in adamantium and he's basically a statue, mm-hmm. uh, which, I mean, why would that kill him unless, like, he couldn't breathe? So, but however, you know they're going to get him out of it and he's going to be back, so. Yeah, as soon as they pull him up, he can come back, but, because, uh, you know, all of his internals would regenerate. Yeah. Just 
Well, if you throw them in a big vat of lava, maybe. Yeah, but it's just like, I don't know. Just talking about how, like, Im- like the ways to kill immortals. Because, mm-hmm. like, the big thing with Superman in the movies was, well, he flies in outer space and doesn't breathe. But then that computer in part three puts him in a bubble and he's like, <laughs> can't breathe. So can you actually mm-hmm. suffocate Superman? Or does he just, can he hold his breath in an abnormally long time? Although in Superman 3, he can't, immediately he's like, I can't breathe. I already used all the oxygen in this bubble. Uh, and suffocating. So if you have your thoughts on how Superman immortals. 30. <laughs> so basically, if all these immortals got in a fight, who would win? Obviously not the Highlanders, because Wolverine would just cut their head off. What if the whole fight took place underwater? <laughs> yeah, then they, uh, well, the Highlanders like operating, yeah, yeah. so yeah, maybe, maybe that could work. He has gills or something. Well, if there, was, if there was only a Wolverine movie in the 80s for our 200th episode character battle, right. we could actually debate it we could find to one. a conclusion. I don't know. Well, cartoon. That's about it. That's about we could it, do a cartoon yeah. episode just to have him in the competition <laughs> in, 50, in 40, uh, 51 episodes. But yeah, anyway. Uh, what about back, the hypothetical movie where, uh, what's his face? Bob Hoskins? Bob Hoskins. <laughs> that, I, I, he would have killed it, I think, like back yeah. in the 80s because that's how, that's how Wolverine was in the 80s. Yeah. Short, scrapper, burly, like he's not Wolverine until, you know, you get into the more uh what it came down to the right late nineties, I think. Yeah, as well. Uh I mean Wolverine wasn't always meant to be like, you know, super, you know, as Hugh Jackman is in the movies. Like Hugh Jackman's pretty I mean, he's he's toned as a motherfucker, but he's also like not beefy. I mean he's he's muscular, but Wolverine in the comics is always like bulky, like a Almost like a wrestler kind of physique, not like a bodybuilder physique. He was just a big guy. Uh, Wolverine mm-hmm. appearances in the eighties, Firestar is born, and Spider Man's amazing two friends. Cartoons. Yeah, we'll do the we'll do the animated Pride of the X Men because that's that cartoon's awesome. Well, I say it is. Haven't seen it in years. We'll find out on a cartoon episode coming up, so we can have Wolverine in there <laughs> for that that reason alone. But uh, yeah, anyway, back to the future this week. Speaking of X Men, uh, day I mean not Days of Future Fast. X-Men Apocalypse. We didn't talk about that last week, did we? I don't think we did. It wasn't out yet. I'm just making sure. Because I listened to I listened to Abyss before I listened recently. I listened to La Bamba before I listened to Abyss. I don't remember if we talked about it or not. So if we, I don't think we did, but if we did, fuck it. We'll talk about it again. You haven't seen it, though. Uh, I've seen most of it. Oh, you really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was so disappointed. I mean, again, I wasn't expecting a I missed the last lot. 20 minutes. You, well, you missed... It's it's rare for me to actually be bored with a movie, even if it's a bad one. Like I'll I'll persevere and I'll finish it. I'll pay attention. Yeah. The last fight of this movie was like, oh my god, like is this not over yet? In right. it, like why is he still up in this movie? <laughs> it's it's riddled with problems. Um, actually, the humans did. didn't play a role in it. That was yeah. the problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the one thing of appeal about the X Men is that their humans are always an issue. Yeah. And in this one, they weren't. So I mean, we're basically watching every other movie. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And actually, the, I think we did talk about it last week. Maybe. I don't remember. Oh, well. So anyway, yeah. If we didn't talk about it, oh, well. If we did, sorry to bring it up. Again, we, we, we record weeks after each other. Yeah. After each one, we so did. we forget. But yeah, uh, don't recommend that one. I do, however, recommend the new Ninja Turtles. That movie was awesome. Oh, good. I might have I, to go see that. It's, it is the movie, like, again, like, as a kid in the uh, late 80s when Ninja Turtles came out, I didn't read the comics first. I was introduced, like most people, to the Turtles through the cartoon. This is the movie that you've wanted since late 80s. Oh, wow. Rocksteady, Bebop, Krang, it's awesome. Okay. I th- like the entire time, me and my wife both had smiles on our faces. <laughs> they also, the movie ends with the theme song from the cartoon. Nice. The only thing I was... So the they only, knew what they were doing. The, yeah, exactly. Whoever... Whoever like they worked on this one, they the turtle vans in it, shooting manhole covers just like yeah. the toy did. Uh, it's fantastic. Like if and if you hate this movie, it's you you obviously aren't an Turtles fan. Yeah. I mean, in my opinion, if you grew up on the cartoon, you tell eighties visit at gmail.com. Let me know why you didn't like this movie if you grew up on the cartoon. Right. In fact, after watching the movie on a Thursday night, that Friday I got some episodes of the original cartoon and saturday morning i fucking watched ninja turtles while i ate my breakfast <laughs> because i was so pumped up for this film from this film uh awesome. it's good like if again if you're a turtles fan you should watch it it's awesome uh i again the first one we mentioned on the podcast there was a lot of fears when they were rebooting it so to speak like that about them being aliens and all that i still don't agree with the fact that they learned ninjutsu because splinter found a ninja book in the sewer all right that's still ludicrous but this one is awesome 
this if you like the if you like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, this is the best Ninja Turtles movie. Excuse me. Wow. And the first one, the '90s one, is still fantastic. Just, and in fact, uh, that Friday night, watch Ninja Turtles one. That Saturday night, watch Ninja Turtles two. Sunday, watch Ninja Turtles three. Three still mm-hmm. like meh. It's actually better than I remembered. But wow. the turtles look so creepy. Yeah. Because yeah. they just look so like animated. I think and they look better in the first one, right? I think so. Yeah. I, I truly think they look fantastic in the first one. But also, the first one is lit like a Clint Eastwood movie. Yeah. It's very dark. It is. <laughs> so it hides a lot. But uh, first one's still amazing. It, it's, that's the comic book brought to life for the right. most part. This, uh, Out in of the PG Shadows. Form. Yeah. Surprisingly mm. enough. And I was watching again. There was a, he, he makes a total homophobic joke in that movie, which I never got until I watched it this time. I was like, wow. He's like, you're claustrophobic. He's like, whoa, talking to Casey Jones? I never looked at a guy that way. I never looked at a man, another man in my life. Oh. And like, I get that. I never, I, I never <laughs> got that, which, of course, that's not PC these days. Right, right. But uh, <laughs> I was like, I, like, I died laughing because I never caught that. <laughs> I, and I've seen that. I've wore out. That's a VH, VHS tape I wore out, too. Yeah. You too. know, loved it to death. Uh, but the new Ninja Turtles, revisit the old one, the first one and the second one. Uh, the third one is the only one on Netflix for some bizarre reason. Hmm. Which is strange how the worst ones on the no one on one Netflix, <laughs> probably. <laughs> but again, that one's actually not as bad uh, as I remember. But also, uh, some other movies I recently watched, I would highly recommend uh, 13 Hours: The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi. I haven't seen it. The best Michael Bay film since The Rock. Wow. Which yes. starring Jim from The Office. Which okay, <laughs> here's my when I saw the trailer for that movie, they have a scene which is the first scene in the movie where they're driving in this car, and then like they pull their guns on the the guy the uh, Afghans, not, not, uh, Libyans that are like detaining them, and it's the most dramatic like gun pull ever. Like you seen the trail, like Krasinski points his gun at the guy that's looking at his other dude, and the other dude points his gun at the guy looking at Krasinski. It's it's a bad boys two type scene. Right, right. And uh, uh, like when I saw the trail, like that's what just threw me off. Like, hey, Jim at the office is going to be this over the top badass. Mm. Can't buy it. Of course, still wanted to see it because I like war movies. Although the last few I've seen, Lone Survivor. And American Sniper were incredibly Love disappointing. Lone Survivor. Ugh. I recall your speech. What's awesome about this movie <laughs> is it's based on, a, like, it's not a survivor or a person writing it that lived it, so there's no self-glorification going on. You know, mm-hmm. or not discounting anything Chris Kyle or Marcus Luttrell, whatever his name was, did, you know, but as it's been proven recently with Chris Kyle twice, both from Jesse Ventura and also... You know, yeah, he did kind of exaggerate his military record. This stuff happens. That's why those movies like that don't. I don't. I take them with a complete grain of salt. I take them with less than a grain of salt. However, Thirteen Hours is just a solid action film. Hmm. After that first overly dramatic part that you see in the trailer, like I just mentioned, it 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 becomes a more stable, like balanced war film. It's not. It's it becomes a war film shot by Michael Bay, which is great because go watch The Rock. The Rock is still an awesome action film. Michael Bay can do action. He just does shitty movies. Uh, <laughs> I, I said the best one since... It's his best pure action movie since The Rock, but he also did uh, Pain and Gain, which is hilarious. It's a great movie uh, to check out. But I would highly... If you like war movies... Oh, it, Pain and Gain, yeah, I saw that. It's the best war movie since Black Hawk Down. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, it shot well. The, the, the uh, soundtrack is phenomenal. And uh, Jim, like uh, John Krasinski, actually, like by the end of the movie, I was like, okay, I'm sold. He can he can do these kind of movies. Mm. His wife can do them, and now he can too. Uh, yeah. But it's just that first scene is so out of place. Just how dr- overly dramatic it is for them to draw their pistols on these guys. Like, why would he point his gun at this dude over there when this dude's right here? When he could just pull it up and you know, quick draw on him <laughs> instead of this bizarre, like you know, I'm going to shoot across my friend sitting in the passenger seat. It's just odd. It throws off the entire first part of the movie, but it's a good, well-done film. All the uh, supporting uh, actors in it are uh, really good. I really can't recommend that one enough. Also, I've seen a lot of movies since we recorded last. And also, uh, so uh, one that was interesting because Hugh Jackman was in it was Eddie the Eagle. Yeah, which, I saw that. That movie was fantastic. <laughs> it was. Although, it totally rips off Cool Runnings at the end. Uh, yeah. with the dad. But they even mention it, kind of. Yeah, they do, like, <laughs> oh, yeah, like with the Jamaicans. They, yeah. there, there are two cool running references in that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, and I didn't realize, I, the whole time watching it, the, the guy playing A, I'm like, uh, what is this guy from? I've seen, I know this guy. What was he in? Which guy playing what? Uh, playing Eddie. Oh, yeah, 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 from, from Kingsman. Kingsman. Yeah, yeah, I was like, holy shit. 
He was such yeah. a douche in that film, but he was fa- <laughs> he was he was great in this movie. Yeah, and uh, Hugh Jackman was great. Uh, good chemistry between them, and it was a good role for both of them. To where Jackman's like you know, the grizzled veteran teaching this new you know typical story you've kind of seen before. Oh, uh, for sure. It's it's not as good as Cool Runnings, but it's still it's uh, incredibly entertaining and enjoyable to watch. Mm. Uh, and I don't think it did too good at the box office because I didn't you know I only knew about it because yeah. of Hugh Jackman. Uh, but it's definitely worth watching. It's a good family movie. If you're looking for something to watch with the fam, uh, check it out. Uh, really entertaining, really good. Good. It's just, it's just a solid movie. Uh, the soundtrack, the 80s music they put in at certain times, fantastic. Oh, yeah, the whole backtrack yeah. felt like an 80s Yeah, they, they captured that. Like It felt like an 80s movie. Mm-hmm. They did a great job, too, of splicing like the Olympic footage and stuff like that with it. You know, adds the authenticity. Uh, now, like we talked about La Bamba last week, uh, keep in mind... That this film is ninety percent made up for the movie, yeah, and ten percent factual. So after you watch it, be sure to read up the real story. Still inspiring, still good. Talking about but, Eddie uh, Eagle, uh, yeah, oh, okay, uh, Benghazi I, too. I mean, uh, oh, okay, it's. Pretty, I didn't. I didn't read up on Eddie Eagle. I just know there was a story there, but yeah, you know. it's. It's. I mean, ba- obviously based on again based on a true story. Yeah, so it's uh, thirteen yeah. hours. Uh, 13 hours. I haven't looked up. I just looked at one couple of sites pointing out some of the discrepancies, but it wasn't too much. It's, I mean, it's basic story, uh, but it's good. Uh, I recommend both of those. And not to bloat this section too much, but uh, Preacher is now on its second episode. Mm-hmm. I the co- top five comic books of all time. Preacher's up there in my top five. I don't even have to think about it. Yeah. That series, comic book series, phenomenal. The show after the first episode. Let me give it another episode of me. I'm just. I'm bored to like, the second episode was so boring. Wow, it's just like I don't I don't think they have they don't they don't know where they want to take it. I guess yeah. The comic was like the comic the first issue is going and moving like they could have again they could have done what Snyder did with Watchmen and just adapted it like that and it would have been fine. But they're doing too much over the top stuff with it and it's it's just ugh. again I'm a huge fan of the comic and again I'm not one of those elitists where, like. Oh, it's got to be like this. It's very different from the comic, a lot different. But you know, you recognize who certain people are. Like for example, Santa Killers was the first thing they showed in the second episode, which immediately like, oh shit! And then they don't even touch on that. To where people who don't know anything about the comic lost. Like, why do they show this guy walking around the West? Because mm. it just the, the shot ties back to this tree. Like it makes no, if you don't have any background, like I can easily see how people are like, oh, what the fuck is going on here? Oh, and uh. Just the char- the comic in a written in a comic book medium, the characters were just so enjoyable. Uh, as it is, uh, Dominic Cooper's he's great for that role, uh, and the guy who plays Cassidy's great. Uh, but Ruth Nega, who plays Tulip, she's awesome. She ne- like she feels like the comic book character brought to life because she was kind of mm. kind of like, like I really like her in that one uh, in that role. But it's just like they don't seem to. I'm not making the show. I'm just being a critic here. It just seems like they don't get it. They didn't, or they mm. they thought the comic was just so tongue in cheek or yeah, something. That's Seth Rogen, <laughs> which I was excited for because maybe he's gonna have a good a different approach to it. Maybe you know because Preacher, it's it really is like a dark. It's a dark, deep spiritual comedy. I mean, it's it's a dark. It's it's fucked up where, this, where that comic book goes. I mean, it's which is why it should always have been on HBO. Uh, <laughs> I always thought, but I mean, it's been pretty, the first episode has been pretty gory. Uh, not that that's the only thing, but I mean, the core of the comic is like. Okay, God's not answering prayers. He, we know he's not in heaven. Like, let's go find God. That, that, it's a metaphor for finding God. That's the whole comic book. They even, they're going all over the place in the show. Mm-hmm. So just not digging it yet. I mean, I'm going to watch it, at least the first season, because, I mean, again, top five comic books of all time. Let me see if they can turn this around or what they're going to do. Is it, is it going to do anything that can like, make me a believer in it? But as of yet, hasn't. So we'll see. Wow. And uh, speaking of uh, wrapping this up, we did get an email from our good friend down under, Ben Wyatt. Good day, mate. Uh, <laughs> just uh, some brief things. Uh, he just mentioned that he watched The Abyss in preparation for last week's episode. It's a film that he's wanted to watch for a long time. Unfortunately, the special edition was on the PlayStation Network to rent. So there you go. If you're looking for it, you haven't been able to find it, check it out on the uh, PlayStation Network. Uh, he wanted to, actually wanted to watch it. Uh, I'm kind of speaking for him here, but I'm reading his email. Yeah, he wanted to watch the theatrical cut first overall, uh, but they only had a special edition, so he just got to watch that one. He liked it overall, gave it four out of five stars, so I gave it a nine. You give it an eight when you adjust it for our score. So, hey, pretty, pretty good there. Glad you enjoyed it, my friend. Uh, 
And he also said that the Garfield stuffed toy is very distracting, he has to say. So <laughs> I mean, like, oh, there's a Garfield reference. Got to add that to the countdown or Always. the list. Uh, but also he thought, uh, he said, Jesse thought for some reason that Australians are offended when people say didgeridoo. I'm pretty sure that's false, but maybe aboriginals don't like it. As for me saying that uh, Ben's from an island full of criminals, I am correct because he's actually in Tasmania. So let me speak to you in your native tongue. <laughs> sorry, I kind of spilled on your mic there, Jesse. I'm sorry. Uh, sorry. That's a Tasmania. I don't know. Ben, let me know. If, did y'all actually get the cartoon Tasmania in Tasmania? Tasmanian Devil? Yeah. Just to make... It's, uh, obviously, it seems like, I mean, yeah, you would, but you never know what... It's a real creature. They just don't yeah. look anything like the drawing. But remember the show, Come to Tasmania, Come to Tasmania. Oh, God, no. I just knew him as a side character. Oh, he had that show on, like, Fox, like, around oh, wow. the same time as Animaniacs and all that. It seems like it was pretty popular. Like, Taz was on everything for a while. Uh, yeah, just let me know if y'all y'all got that show over there. I'm just I would assume y'all did, but uh, you never know like what actually you know what cartoons are getting out you know because uh, I've seen some heard about some '80s cartoons that are awesome I should check out that I've never heard of before because they didn't play over here. Uh, Danger Mouse is one of the few that crossed over. So yeah, let us know That's if this it. is where you're from. Yep. Uh, that's, that's in another language. Yeah, that's not in any language we're familiar with. <laughs> Well, you definitely don't get that, then, I bet. Yeah. But, of course, Taz, Taz speaks like, <laughs> You can't ever understand him. I don't know if you can understand him on the cartoon or not. But, yeah, here's the original. Maybe. We'll see. Welcome to Atlantis That's Way, on the down under. The sky's always yellow in rain or shine. Down to Tasmania, come to Tasmania. When Tom's been each tabby, it's not just been like a Tasmanian devil and his closest kin. Come to Tasmania, come to Tasmania. Come to Tasmania. Mom's alive, why are dads never born along? Molly's all fired up, we'll take place with a dog. Come to Tasmania, come to Tasmania. See, I've been looking if y'all got that up there. And did it actually represent the wildlife of Tasmania? No, we're good here. For me, my friend, uh, we're actually uh, I talked to you after the podcast. Jesse, he wants to do something together, like Skype or something. Which, uh, like I uh, told you on Facebook, Ben, I'm going to talk to Jesse when I talk to him next. I'm literally talking to him right now about it. So we'll yeah. have to do it at like 3 a.m. But that's cool. He actually sent me like the time. Okay. Change like what it would equate to for like a, a good time. So I'll touch base with you. Right. Uh, I mean, I work night, so I'm up all. Uh, anyway, great work as usual. He says, and talk to you soon. Looking forward to it, my friend. Uh, appreciate it as well and I did have time to listen to your pod- a couple episodes of your podcast uh, that uh, Ben does the Asia Mania podcast mm. uh, a lot of fun I love it's always I enjoy just hearing what other people think about almost anything that I'm interested in mm-hmm. and he talks about they do like a lot of movie reviews you can talk about wrestling uh, which is also awesome to hear you know people from down under you know other side of the WWE? world what they think about it yeah like and I don't of course I like we mentioned before I don't have the network or have cable to watch it right. I just I kind of know who's the champion. That's basically all I kind of keep up with. Yeah. Uh, but it's interesting hearing, you know, different side of the world and then like same opinion on the exact same thing or stuff like that. So it's always, it, uh, they also go over a lot of stuff they've seen or watched recently, which it's always uh, cool to hear. Uh, again, like what other people think about stuff that you're interested in. So, so uh, it's a long podcast, which I like because even though my commute's on like 10 minutes, Mm-hmm. But I tend to, even though it's short, I am in my car a lot going to lunch or to a client or delivery or whatever. So yeah. I, tend to, I do tend to burn through them fast. So like some shorter podcasts, I'm like, ah, oh, I need more episodes. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so uh, be sure to check out the Asia Mania podcast. And I think uh, Ben also does some other ones too. But the Asia Mania is the one I listen to or have listened to so far. And also uh, we're part of the Awesome Podcast Network. There are other podcasts on the Awesome Podcast Network. We're the only active one currently, but yeah. you can always check out the older episodes that are available for you there for the variety of topics. I could update the other ones anytime I want, yes, but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, also our good friends in Lafayette, not quite as far away as Australia or Tasmania, but uh, John and James with Now versus Nostalgia. Uh, so I got your jacket, bro, and hopefully we'll get you. We'll be able to do a collaboration with you again. The jacket soon is questionable well. now. Oh yeah, we, we, since I moved, we, yeah, uh, it's somewhere. It's, it's in a box somewhere. Somewhere, maybe. it's around for sure. One day we'll. I find don't it. like throwing away people's stuff. Yeah, but <laughs> it's it's but in a box somewhere for sure. We had a, the most mild winter ever this year, anyway. So it used I'm to sure be, John didn't even need it. It used to be hanging by the doorway, but now it's yeah somewhere, somewhere in a box. We'll we'll get it back to you somehow, some way, my friend. Yeah. But until uh, well, next week, our hundredth and fiftieth episode, one hundred and fifty times. What? Actually, one hundred forty-nine times I've sat in this chair. But we have one hundred and fifty episodes. <laughs> so yeah, you're always gonna have always, that. Always gotta wait to one fifty-one to actually say hundred. I've done one hundred and fifty of this show. But regardless, I've next done week, 150. Uh, without further ado, our hundredth and fiftieth episode. 
We're going commando. That's all you need to know. We'll see you next week. So until next week, I am Trey Harris. Jesse Sedgley. Cowabunga! Facebook.com slash awesome pods and follow us on Twitter at awesome pods.